I don't care who's first or who last, but I know that y'all just better rock this at the drop of a dime, baby. This is a Joe Rock Welcome to the Football Cypher here on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and you can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. I'm joined by my fellow, or with my fellow analysts, Chris James, Gene Clemens, Teron Davenport, and Brandon Howard. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CJFlorida9, Gene at Gene Clemens, Teron at T Davenport underscore NFL, and Brandon at B Howard underscore 81. And make sure you subscribe to the Football Game Plan Podcast on iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating. That's where you can find all of our many different shows. You can also find them archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. And finally, don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network on YouTube, located at youtube.com slash footballgameplan. And if you're not familiar with what a rap cypher is, it's a crowd that forms and freestyles as they pass the mic around. Well, it's the same thing here, sort of, but we won't be rapping uh, anytime soon. We'll just pass the mic around to keep these football takes flowing. So we're kicking off our NFL team previews in the cypher. And in this episode, we'll take a look at the Buffalo Bills and some of our biggest questions heading into the 2017 season. I'll kick this one off, guys. How good can this receiving core be in 2017? I'll toss it over to you, Brandon. Man, um, I really think that with uh, Sammy Watkins finally returning to health, there's a lot that he can do for that offense. And uh, just as, as versatile as he is, there's so much that he can do for them. Um, we're, we're just we're going to have to see, though, uh, with, with Tyrod Taylor, uh, can he take that next step? And I think that with a healthy wide receiver core this year, I think that they'll finally get out of him uh, what they've been looking to see. And, and that's a quarterback that can be consistent. It's kind of difficult when you've got receivers rotating in and out of the lineup as often as they have. Um, it, it, to, to get that chemistry down, Pat, and uh, I think they've struggled with that, but I think that this is going to be the year where, where they kind of make that jump. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't have a great year uh, in the division last year, but I think that this is kind of going to be the year with a healthy wide receiving course. And I guess I'll go ahead and jump in. You know, everything there is new. There's a new coach, and Sean McDermott, he's a first-year coach, new OC, New receiving core, to be honest. They have Andre Holmes, who just came over. Uh, I think Philly Brown's on the roster now. Yep. And then they drafted Zay Jones. So you ask the question, these guys are all talented. They can all play football. But where's the consistency? We don't know what it's going to look like yet. From a play standpoint, yeah, this should be a good receiving core. I like it the way it's constructed, but we don't know how the new head coach is going to utilize these guys. Right. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll chime in just real quick. You mentioned uh, Zay Jones, CJ, and, and he's a guy I think that could really come in and play. I like his ability to catch the ball down the field, but he's also just a, a consistent catcher. So that's a reliable target for Tyra Taylor. But then you also look at a guy that's been there for the last couple of years, you know, a guy down at the Senior Bowl that I really like, and that was Desmond Lewis. And I like what he's able to do along the perimeter. 
I think he's the ultimate jump ball catcher. You know, he's a guy you could throw the back shoulder to also. So there's different guys. You mentioned Philly Brown also. He's another deep threat. So I like everything that they have in place as far as weapons are concerned for Tyra Taylor. And I think he could take that next step. It's interesting when you think about it, fellas, because this this receiving core has essentially everything you would want in a receiving core. They've got deep speed. They've got they've got possession. They've got guys with great hands. They've got guys that can run after the catch. It really is going to it's really is going to come down to the coaching staff, in my in my opinion. Will they put an offense in place that takes advantage of all of their weapons? Right. Um. I don't I don't expect to see the same archaic prehistoric type of offense that we've seen over the past few years and i think that with that in that influx of of maybe some newer age thinking i think that, that this wide receiving core has the potential to be as good as any wide receiving core in the league yeah i'll, I'll top it off by also including the tight end position you got charles clay i'm a big fan of nico leary still west saxon we all saw at the east west shrine game have some success and so We'll see how Logan Thomas pans out as he makes that transition. But to me, those three right there, Clay, O'Leary, and Saxton, helps round out this core. And I'm pretty sure they're going to utilize those tight ends more so in conjunction with the receivers you all mentioned. I would also throw out Jeremy Butler. I still think Butler and Desmond Lewis can be solid three or number four options for this team. Absolutely. I definitely agree. And and that really, Brandon, Brandon kind of hinted on it, and it brings me to my question, which is, Will this new coaching staff actually take the shackles off of Tyrod Taylor? Will they allow him to be a quarterback, or will this still be a, a thing where they're trying to manage him and, and not really respect him as a quarterback? As a quarterback? I tell you one of the things that, that I, I'll mention, and you look at Rick Dennison, you know, he, he's a guy that, that – coached with uh, Kubiak, so you're going to see that play action. So I really like getting a guy like Tyra Taylor on the move and allowing him to freelance when, when he, you know, on, on boot passes and also just, you know, working that quarterback scramble drill. But I like the, the fact that I think the play action is going to be mixed in and that'll take advantage of what Tyra Taylor does best. And obviously he's a guy that could throw from in the pocket because there aren't many guys that could throw the ball down the field from in the pocket with the same accuracy that he does, but I like getting him on the move as well. Absolutely. I think you uh, allow him to get outside the pocket and just make plays. That's what he does. I mean, he, he's shown you once he gets outside the pocket, he, he's super dangerous. And I really think that um, this could be a really good year for the Buffalo Bills. Had a down year last year, but with this new receiving corps, I, I, I really, like Chris said, it's, it is brand new. It's going to take them some time to gel. But um, I think that, you know, they could start clicking on all cylinders and they could be rather dangerous. And not only that, you also have to keep in mind that this coaching staff has familiarity with a guy that has that level of athleticism, having been around Cam Newton. So we know that they're not scared or they shouldn't be scared to allow this guy to be what he is, which is a super athletic quarterback who can throw a really nice pass especially as you were saying, if you get him out on the edge, I think he's extremely dangerous and this offense can be dynamic. I mean, to be honest, we've seen this guy play consistent football the last two seasons, you know, with touchdown to interception ratio, only six interceptions the last two seasons, over 500 yards rushing. So he brings a lot to the offense. And as much as these other quarterbacks we've seen, let's say within this division, get excuses uh, for them, for their play, this guy seems to be getting 
ushered out of Buffalo for no apparent reason. So I think he's a solid quarterback. I think he can really get them into the playoffs. He also has to stay out there for a full 16 games. So that's his biggest issue, not getting dinged up, knowing when to take a hit, when to get out of bounds. But they do have the quarterback on their roster to get them where they ultimately want to be. He's a terrific player, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree. And and I'm looking at, you know, you look at his stats from the last couple of years. I mean, 14 games started one year. The second year is a starter. 15 games started. Um, I think that, that he has an opportunity to take that next step where he – where he makes that that ascension to maybe a 3,500-yard passer, maybe 25 to 30 touchdowns, if given an opportunity to really um, invest in the passing game. Like I, I believe that um, this, you know, this Bills this Bills coaching staff really needs to do. And we know that he keeps the ball um, only only you know six turnovers the last or six interceptions the last couple of years. So we really we really have to look forward to what we can see from Tyrod Taylor in year three as a starter. My question, we're going to go to the other side of the ball, and my question was with the departure of Stephon Gilmore, who's going to step into his shoes as their top corner? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> me, me personally, I you know, I, I like Ronald Darby. I, I think he's a guy that could play, but obviously you have the issue as far as matching up against some of the bigger defenders. Then you also have to look at Trey Davis White. He's a guy coming out of LSU. CJ, I know you weren't as high on him as I was, but I felt he was a legitimate first-round prospect. I like his ability to play in the slot, but also to play outside. So those would be the two guys I would look at first. But, I mean, what's your take? So similar to the receiving core, there's not that consistency there yet. You know, they picked up some guys. They picked up Leonard Johnson to try to fill a hole. They drafted uh, Kevon Seymour. Uh, and this year they went and got Tredavious White. They have guys that can ball hog back there. Uh, Jordan Poirier playing at free safety, a former corner who, in my opinion, can work in both scenarios. Uh, it's going to be more by committee. Just keep this in mind. A few years ago, no one really knew who Josh Norman was. And this, this this defense coordinator made this guy into a player. So let's see what he can do with some guys that we may not be quote-unquote that high on or that are proven. Maybe they get the chance to actually go and shine and become a big name like a Josh Norman. I'm actually, I mean, personally, I'm actually high on Ronald Darby. I think that so many times we get hung up on the the size of a defensive back and we and we spend our time looking at oh well you know these bigger receivers well guess what the bigger receivers are doing that to everybody it's not like they're just only picking on the you know under 5 10 5 11 cornerbacks they're beating up on 6 foot 1 cornerbacks too so i look at at, at that pit bull puppy that i see in in Ronald Darby and i think that another year under his belt um you know and the opportunity to be trusted as the man um, on that defensive, in that defensive backfield, is going to really pay dividends for him. He's got to be the guy, in my opinion, that steps up. If it's not him, then I don't know who it's going to be. So that's the guy who I think um, really needs to, to step into those shoes. Yeah, I, I think you guys are all correct. It absolutely has to be Darby. I mean, if not Darby, it's no one else. Um, you know, he's a guy in college. You know, quarterbacks didn't throw his way. Uh, people talked about how he didn't have. Um, you know, the, the number of interceptions you want to see out of a top collegiate cornerback. Well, that's because nobody was throwing the ball that way. So, um, you know, 
it's not like he's lacking the ball skills. You know, he, he can find the football. And um, I, I think that he has the requisite skills to become a very solid number one cornerback in the NFL. Which is funny because when you look at Darby, I think he and Tredavious White counter are the same player. They both had those issues where um, they couldn't find the ball. A lot of times you saw the ball hit Darby in the face at Florida State. Tredavious White can get turned around a little bit, but we saw Darby in the NFL begin to pick off passes. You know, right. I think the biggest key, I, I like these two guys here, and Chris mentioned them, uh, Jordan Poyer, his versatility to play safety or corner and play in the slot is going to be huge. Um, Leonard Johnson, I've always been a big fan of. I thought he was solid at Tampa Bay. You know, he was a really good player at Iowa State, in my opinion. But so I think they drafted Tredavious White in the first round for a reason. He has explosiveness. I think he's a really good matchup corner. He can play in the slot and also on the field of boundary. So they're going to get it from a bunch of guys. But I think they have enough to where if that pass rush is there, they have guys that are active that can, you know, stay in the hip pocket of these wide receivers and, and ultimately get off the field. Um, the, the question uh, that I had was, uh, will there be more creativity with the weapons uh, that the that the Bills have with, uh, you know, Charles Clay and Sammy Watkins? Um, these are two, in my opinion, very versatile players. I mean, you all saw what Charles Clay was able to do in college. Um, you know, he can he can play you know, some H-back. He can line up in the backfield. Sammy Watkins, you saw what he did at Clemson, and they have yet to utilize him in that fashion. So, um, you know, my question is, will they kind of, allow these players to be what they are. And then you can add Tyrod Taylor into that mix. Will they allow him to be who he is? Stop trying to make him just this runner, you know, this read option guy, you know, let him throw the football and be that, you know, prototypical quarterback that he can be. Uh, get him out on the edge and make plays down the field with his arm. So uh, is will it be, you know, will there be more creativity in Buffalo this year? The easy answer for me is yes, there has to be because it was a very basic offense <laughs> with non-basic weapons. You have guys who could just flat out fly, guys like Sammy Watkins, a guy at tight end who is super versatile coming out of college when he came out of Tulsa and uh, Charles Clay. Right. So they have to be more creative because the Bills consistently have games where they can bother other teams, but they're never getting to the playoffs. And it's right. because everything is so basic. Right. Non-basic players. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I just I just hate how it's funny that these coaches be so lauded for what they can do and they're at the highest level of coaching and they can't coach themselves out of a paper bag or can't coach personnel, coach to the personnel right. that way. That's like if I was coaching basketball and I get a tall guy and I instantly want to put him in a, in a post like Porzingis, but he can really shoot. You know, and right. so why would I waste him just because he's tall? So they feel as though I have to call these design run plays for this guy to be successful. No, you allow him to run when things break down right. naturally. Right. Look at a guy like Charles Clay that can play in the backfield or as a tight end like Nick O'Leary. I remember people paying that pick for the Bills, but I thought that was a great pick because now you have multiple guys that can do multiple things, just like Wes Saxton, who can line up as a, a, a slot receiver, bigger slot receiver, and also as an H-back. So I think they have no choice but to allow this offense to be multiple. The more you can do, the better you're going to be, and especially when you have guys on the field. You know, we talked about this all the time, but when you look at what made those 49er teams of the 80s so successful is that they stayed in their base personnel. John Taylor, Jerry Rice, Brent Jones, Rathman, and Roger Craig all can beat you. 
So there was no need to pull personnel out and get creative. You can stay in your base personnel and slaughter teams. And I think Buffalo has some of those elements, you know, and I think even when you include LaShawn McCoy, you know, don't get creative with try to get him out in space, let him be himself. The Bills can really be dangerous offensively, in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's the thing, man. The the mark of a, a coach that's really good is is one that's going to coach to his personnel. So yeah, you look at what they have. You almost they do have to do that. And then another thing that you have to look at is, is just having the ability to give so many different looks. I mean, like you mentioned, with the same personnel, I mean that's a clear advantage. And you, who are they going against? I mean, the goal is is to win a division, so they're going to have to go against the Patriots. So. You know, you need to be as explosive as possible. So they have to find ways to score more points. My question is, like, how do you remain so basic and you have the perfect example in front of you in the New England Patriots every single year? Every year. Yo, this is a team in the Patriots that, you know, they're lining guys up everywhere. You know, they keep the same personnel, and but these guys can move in and out of different positions, you know, at will. And you look at that and you see the success that they're having, but you have all these great players yourself and you don't do the same thing. It's just, it baffles me. It's mind boggling. I think they've got to, I think they've got to look at the, I mean, they're coming from Carolina. They've got to look at that 2015 Cam Newton playbook. I mean, the way that, the way that they had Cam Newton working um, as a passer that year, they had a deep threat that he was consistent with, but they used a lot of two tight end sets. And people sure. don't talk about it a lot because all they talk about is Greg Olson. But having Dixon there as well was really big for them as that second tight end. Um, they It allowed them to do a lot of different things and really kind of mask the fact that they didn't have a ton of wide receivers. The advantage I think that the Bills have is that they also have an, op- an opportunity to put a legitimate four wide receiver set on the field and really take advantage of some matchup um, differences. So I think that the opportunity for creativity is there if they're willing to use it, and they have they, they don't have to look any further than the, the team that they used to coach for. Exactly. What's well, great, and that actually plays into my question, which is can the Bills have the most productive backfield in the NFL with Tyrod Taylor and LaShawn McCoy? Absolutely. That, that's, <laughs> definitely. Go ahead. Go ahead, Emery. Think about it, man. We, we always talk about this. When you look at mobile quarterbacks, and the byproduct of being a running back in that system, you're going to have a healthy yards per, per carry average. And LaShawn McCoy is probably one of the best running backs in the game and making people miss. And you combine that with uh, not being able to see that extra guy defending the run because of Tyrod Taylor, he's going to have a ton of yards and he's going to do well in his offense. Oh, by the way, he can't catch the ball in the backfield, but I think he's going to be so dynamic with – with Taylor back there, and it's just going to be impossible. Again, we talked about it a few seconds ago about how you can stay dynamic in the offense. When you look at the mobile quarterback situation, throw Steve Young in that, that 49ers offense with those talented playmakers, and you have a guy like Tyrod Taylor. And I'm not saying Tyrod Taylor is Steve Young. I'm just saying the mobility allows a guy like Ricky Waters or Roger Craig to have that much more running room. And I think you can see that with LaShawn. I mean, think about it. You had a 500-yard rusher. Um, 580 yards last year with uh, Tyrod Taylor. And I want to say LaShawn McCoy went over, what, 1,200 yards last year at 5.4 yards a carry. So that there's the answer right there. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then it also goes back to their ability to spread the field, whether they use four receivers or if they use the two tight ends that they could walk out to the, uh, to the you know, to flex them out wide a little bit. And that just allows you to spread the field. And a guy like Shady McCoy, you give him those, you know, more rushing lanes and he's just going to be even more dangerous. Yeah, I think it's just it comes down to basic football. Anytime you have two threats back there that can run the football, then the easier it's going to be for either one of them. So, um, you know, it, it, it's lethal back there when you've got two guys back there that just, you know, can make anybody miss at the drop of a dime. And, um, you know, you got LaShawn McCoy, who is, you know, one of the best players in the NFL at making someone miss uh, in the open field or in confined space. And uh, Tyrod Taylor, he's no slouch either. So um, I think that they absolutely can be uh, one of the most dynamic backfields in the NFL this year. Yeah, I agree, and I def and I don't even think that losing Mike Gillisley does anything to hurt it. Oh, absolutely. I think they'll have another person to 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 step in as that number two guy, and they'll eat up a hundred carries and five hundred yards and in in eight to ten touchdowns because that's just the nature of of how that offense can click when you have a quarterback that at any point in time can pull it. And go and go the opposite way with it. Um, it makes defenses have to play eleven on eleven man football. Right. And I and I've said it all the time is when you when you even the game back out to eleven on eleven, the advantage definitely swings to the offensive side of the ball. Absolutely. And I think they're even going to utilize having. I think most people believe that Tyrod that uh, Michelle McCoy doesn't do well with a fullback, but. That's not true. So, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I think it's just a foolish mindset for people to actually believe that. But I think Patrick DeBarco will be a big help because it's going to allow Shady to not even be touched for the first two yards, and that's detrimental for anyone trying to tackle that guy. Yeah. I'd definitely love to see Sammy Watkins get some carries. I don't I don't understand why they haven't used him in that, in that capacity, but I'd love to see him get a few carries on some end of rounds and – um, you know, really get him involved and in getting that ball in his hand a little bit earlier, letting him do things with it. Yes, even if it's a toss, you know, something of that, you know, sort. I mean, that'd be a very easy way. You don't want guys like that working too hard to get the ball in their hands, you know. And Buffalo, for these last few years, have made him work entirely too hard to get the football. All right, before we get out of here, guys, I want to make sure we get – Predictions for the Buffalo Bills and where they'll finish in the division. I already gave my pick, and you guys can check that out above in the video. And that's why we're doing the football cipher because not only you get my take in the video, you also get our analyst takes here on this podcast. So starting with you, Brandon, what do you think the Bills finish in 2017? Man, that's uh that's rough. I, I think they're gonna finish third in the division this year. Um, reason being, I, I think that they're just you know gonna have a little bit of a, a rough start. And until they begin to gel and kind of figure out who does what, you know, and, and who does what well, I think it's going to be a little bit before they get started. And I actually have them finishing tied at second. It's basically third with the Dolphins. Um, I think they take a step forward, and I think the Dolphins take a step back, and they meet in the middle. Uh, but I like the roster, and I agree with Brandon that they're going to have some struggles early on, and that's the only reason why they end up finishing tied for second. I'm actually with Chris on this one. I think that you're, you're going to see them and the and the Miami Dolphins kind of occupying the same air. Um, and, and when it's all said and done, they'll finish second, third-ish, but neither one will um, be a playoff team this year. 
Yeah, I'm going to say they finished second, and obviously they're going to have a rough start trying to get that chemistry together initially. But I think once it clicks, that's going to be an offense that's going to give defenses a lot of problems. And, and I have them finishing ahead of the Dolphins, obviously, behind the Patriots. But uh, I'll put them at second place. So that's it for this episode of the Football Cypher. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating for Gene, for Chris, for Brandon, and Teron. I'm Emory Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and this has been the Football Cypher.